It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Ausbiz. Great to have your company for the next hour or so as we talk the call. One hour, 10 stocks that you suggest put to two experts on our panel and uh, they give us their adjudication. Plus, I add in a bonus stock of the day, something that is uh, uh, in the news and uh, investors need to keep up to date with. And uh, let's uh, quickly welcome our expert panel, Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Gary, how are you, sir? Good to yeah, see you. You're very good. You're well. Um, Gary and I were just talking super coach. He was watching yesterday when Mathan Somersandaram was, because uh, he's a data bloke and he loves super coach and fantasy tipping. And Gary has just revealed it's a secret passion of yours, Gary. Well. Yeah, it's a little closet classic, yeah. And uh, what do you, what, you're in the top five, 10%? This is the first time, I've, yeah, first time I've started well. Normally I sort of start poorly and then trade my way into the top 10%. But right. this year I've started well and um, yeah, so oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. How, how much does it cost for you to reveal your uh, super coach team so we can all learn? We might do a side deal a bit later. Uh, well, this this time I actually put the least amount of effort into it. I just went oh. with the true, you know, with the, you know, go with the, the prems and the and right. the rookies. And the yeah, right. yeah, 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 maybe one or two mid caps and just keep it really That's simple. It. Oh, yeah. there you go. Good tip. <laughs> all right. Uh, also joining Gary on the panel today, Howard Coleman from. Team Investor, how would you get into the fantasy sport? It'd be mainly cricket for you, wouldn't it? It, it would if I did, but no, I don't get involved in the fantasy stuff. But uh, I used to uh, study cricket stats enormously in my days uh, living in South Africa before coming to Australia. Right. Uh, I, I used to joke that if anybody wanted to know anybody's batting average or bowling average or how many wickets they'd taken or runs they'd scored, at test level, I was the guy to ask, but I haven't been doing that for years. You should give it a go, Howard. You'd probably be quite good at the, uh, the, the fantasy, fantasy cricket. Yeah, 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 the BBL fan. <laughs> well, you'd be very proud of my grandson, whose favourite um, uh, subject at school, he, he's only 11, is maths. But he takes an old-fashioned cricket scorebook to a five-day test and records every ball. Uh, he's got his pencil wow. rubber. He loves that sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, David, what you should do is encourage him to do it in colour. And that way around, he can tell how many balls were bowled by each bowler to each batsman. So if you use a few different colours, you can do that as well. 
which is what I used to do as a kid, and my wife used to do it when my, our son was playing rep cricket. Right. She used to score in colour. The umpires at that level were always so impressed that uh, here was a mum scoring in colour, and you could tell how many. <laughs> first that is fantastic. I will suggest that to him. That will keep him amused, that's for sure. All right, let's get into uh, the call for this Tuesday. And uh, stock of the day, um, one that we haven't looked at for a while. Uh, it's been a bit all over the shop. Uh, Freedom Foods Group, uh, offering up to 40.8 million listed options to eligible shareholders. Shareholders can apply to receive one listed option for approximately every 3.2 shares held as of the 23rd of May. The options will be issued for free with payment only required if and when the options are exercised. Uh, Gary, interesting thing from Freedom yeah. Foods is that to build a bit of um, um, sort of spirit back among shareholders, uh, build a bit of loyalty? Oh, look, I think the problem is here, they've got themselves into big trouble. So, exactly. Um, a massive hole here. So, yeah, so this is kind of a, it's a hard one to, to advise on here because you're sort of, uh, you're already in the deep end already. Yep. So, uh, just a matter of whether you can actually swim out of the deep end and um, yeah. make it sort of standing up here. So, look, it's definitely got some risks here. H had some issues, so um, yeah, high risk here. But yeah. um, look, the, the the plus is here. That obviously, they're paying down some of the debt, yeah, uh, the recapitalisation. So that's that's a bit of a positive. Obviously, uh, saw the you know, some might argue it's not not sort of a fair offer, but um, a reasonable way it's structured because it gives you a chance to, to come back here. Yeah. Um, Gives you some upside. Yeah, yeah. Like. The way they did the raising there was um, obviously they did the notes there, but they did they gave some options there, so yeah. uh, which are around about sort of 80, 80, 90 cents. So, so the kicker is here if, if it if you know for those that did invest in the you know the recapitalization, the kicker is if the if the recovery, if there is a recovery here and they can get yeah. the sort of share price back above 80, 90 cents. Then those who participated are big winners, right? So, right. so it's kind of geared with a bit of a longer skew, the the recapitalisation. So, rather than just uh, sometimes, you know, companies will just take whatever they can get, money yep. raised, and be a discount, and you know, the shareholders can get pretty screwed over here. Yeah. Um, at least in this instance here. Well, they've had to do something. Yeah, had yeah. To get so any sort of support. That's right here. So the 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 upside here is the the new investors have got the the skew is to the you know the, the long side and the long term yeah. so they haven't just sort of got a discount and take your money and move on yeah. they're actually you know they're in there for the longer haul so that's that's the plus it's just still high risk but there is at least when you see a deal like that you're know, like it's not great because obviously your price drops a lot yeah but then it's skewed towards a, a longer term recovery and that's yeah. how everyone wins and you want everyone on the long on the same page hopefully as investors that's right yeah. because you look at the long suffering investors <laughs> yeah. what they've gone through yeah it's a pretty terrible chart there yeah um so would you take it up if you're an investor uh well i think you already you've, yeah, yeah was, you've taken it's it already it been done so yeah, yeah. i think actually most of it was um was done externally right so um yeah so you really needed sort of white knight to come in here and yeah and put some capital up here and uh yeah. and take a swing Take yeah. some risk on here. So, so I think half of it was done of the two sixty five, I think hundred and thirty eight mil was done by funds. Right. So they they've taken a punt. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So would you be would you be getting into freedom at the moment? Oh, only if I was, you know, super super risk. Right. But okay. you know, so uh, yeah, high risk here. I mean look, there are there are probably there are better high risk bets than this. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're ranking high risk. Yeah. Uh, how would 
What do you think of the deal for, for shareholders? Well, look, the idea is presumably to keep the current shareholders who who are in there from wanting to sell because they can see that maybe there's a potential upside which they yeah. got free uh, down the track. And if they can hang on to the existing shareholders, they're hoping that that means the share price won't drop anymore. Presumably, that'll be easier for their banking covenants. Um, but, you know, this is, uh, in answer to the question, would you buy any shares now? Well, um, you know, you really, if you've been in the company, you've seen money go through a shredder. And now you have to say to yourself, is there going to be an opportunity to open up the shredder and try and stick all the bits of money together again and see if I've actually got some left, yeah. um, which I'm getting via these free options. But if you aren't already in, as Gary says, uh, you know, the the other high risk ones that are probably offering better potential upside with considerably less downside. And, and I reckon you could probably find somewhere close to uh, 800 other companies on the stock exchange to rather own instead of this. Uh, it lost more money in one year than it made in the previous nine. And um, it's had negative cash flow for the last couple of years. So a real disaster. No, no team yeah. invest member, I would expect, would touch it. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's get into the uh, 10 stocks uh, you suggested we have a look at. And Howard, Rosie wants a view on Regis Resources. Um, Rosie says its PE is eight. It has absolutely no debt. Uh, wonderful return on equity year after year. Share price very low. What do the experts think? Regis, of course, is a, a gold and ex, a gold production and exploration company in uh, mainly in Western Australia. Although they've got gold project in uh, in New South Wales and also in the United States in Idaho. Yeah, in fact, uh, of the gold producers. Um, I mean, there are very, very few gold mines that ever turn into being good investments. Um, most of them mine their shareholders' wallets over time. But this one, is that's not the case. It pays dividends. It's made a profit every year except 2014, when I presume the gold price was probably down because they made quite a substantial loss that year, but they made profits every other year. Uh, had high return on equity uh, on a very low PE. Uh, got lots of res resources and reserves. Um, but the two questions you always have to ask if you're going to invest in a gold mine is when's the best, or gold mining company, when's the best time to invest in them? And the best time to invest in them is when the gold price is low, because from there, it can usually go up. Um, to be investing in a gold mine when the gold price is uh, at a very high level compared to the past uh, means you sort of kid yourself that the PE ratio is low, but the gold price could easily drop a third or, or, or more uh, in a very short time. And the other thing you want to look at is with the, uh, how much money are they spending in CapEx every year to keep the mines going? Now, they had $340 million in operating cash flow last year, but then they spent $244 million, two-thirds of that, just to keep their mining going in capital expenditure. And that's the problem with these capital intensive businesses and why they really become wealth winners. But if you want a gold mine, this is certainly this one and Northern Star are the the two uh, best looking ones on the ASX. Lots of reserves. Um, they could uh, take it if the gold price dropped a bit. They pay dividends, which is unusual. Um, but no, I don't think team invest members would be likely to own it. 
But uh, we have spoken about it, it does pass our filters, and we've spoken about it that if you want to die in a gold mine or gold mining company, it's this one or Northern Star. Okay. Gary? Yeah, look, in the last couple of months, I've actually recommended sort of a few gold stocks to graze Northern Star as a Newcrest and yeah. also Regis as well. So, ah. so three of the four have actually gone up quite nicely. Yeah. Regis is the only one that hasn't gone up. Now, yeah, because yeah, I was going to say the yeah. gold price has been yeah. rising a bit. Yeah. And I was surprised at that chart, that 12 month chart, to see it hasn't bounced along with the others. Yeah, so there's a good reason for that because they, they've just acquired a stake uh, in this Tropicana Gold project, which um, they, I think, I think Anglo Gold have sort of waived their rights. So right. um, Regis have taken up that. So it's fairly large. It's around about uh, 903 mil, so which is pretty large compared to. Uh, I think um, Regis is about a $2 billion market cap, so right. it's almost sort of half, uh-huh. so a decent size there. The, the market sort of felt that the price paid was pretty full. Right. It wasn't like a, a cheap price or a, um, a fair. It was probably right. maybe maybe slightly paid overs for it. Right. Um, and obviously Anglo waving away. So, yeah, so I just noticed a few of the brokers sort of wound back their targets based right. on that... Um, on that purchase, just because of the price was a bit high, so that's kept the price a little bit to date. There, they did some, did a raising actually at two seventy right. um, for that project. So, um, so I think there'll be a bit of a vested interest to get it back over two seventy. There'll be a lot of uh, in stone money they'll want to see it back above there. So, just just a big acquisition. And sometimes when you're the when you do make the big acquisition, sometimes takes a bit to digest. It does, yeah, it right. takes a little while. So the synergy will take a while to come through. But I just know the market felt. That wasn't okay. a cheap price there. So it just held the price back a bit here. Looks, look, there's some pretty big volume occurring here the last sort of uh, month down at the lows here, but that's maybe around that raising as well. But yeah, it could be it could be really good, but it's just, I just didn't pay didn't pay a really cheap price for that okay. uh, Tropicana, so. Yeah. So you're saying no at the I, moment? And I actually wait, do, wait till it I actually do like it here. I think a lot of the other gold players have already moved a bit. Yeah. Um, so I think this one can. I just, just know the market felt, you know, but look, at the end of the day, readers will know what they know. Yeah. Um, and as, as how is do, do they have good management? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Right. So they've had a pretty good record. They've sort of it is one of the better managed gold companies. So yeah. So look, I, I like it here actually. So I think okay. there's some upside here. Just just keep that in mind that the market that's the that's the fear is that they've paid a bit too much for it here. So right. Yeah. But yeah. but the gold price is had a. Jump the gold price is pretty good. Weeks, yeah, obviously US dollar is still pretty weak. I still see that yes. coming lower, so commodities are still you know pretty robust there. I'm not a super cycle believer, but um, but the gold price definitely can move high here, particularly if we see more inflation fears as well. So okay. yeah, all right, all right, Rosie, thank you for that. Um, now Gary Jacob wants a view on we're sticky in the in the resources area with Tribune Resources. Uh, Jacob says my buy price was around the $6 mark, and it's currently a bit less than that now. I think it's still very cheap, so I'm considering buying more. One of the impressive things about this business is that it's never had a capital raising out of the 10-year history that I can see. What do the experts think? Uh, It's an explorer production company, projects in West Australia and Africa as well. Um, Yeah, yeah, look, it has paid uh, regular dividend. it's a really high beta stock, actually. So what, what I mean by that is that when it moves, it moves big. Right. So it goes up so big. So it's very volatile. Oh, it goes right. up big. Yeah. So we look at it like a it weekly chart. Big. Oh, we've seen some massive moves. So like nine dollars to four eighty. Wow. Back to eight. Back to oh, five. Yeah. Back to eight eighty. Oh, some massive moves. So yeah. 
not for the faint-hearted sort of shareholder. Right. So, <laughs> look, it's probably not probably quite interesting here. I, it's just hard to get around the, the looking at the balance sheet, the numbers there's hard hard to read. Uh, so, um, is one of those companies that uh, announced we're going to do a buyback, but actually never bought back any of the shares. Right. Which is, you know, sounds rare, but actually is quite common. Oh. A lot of companies say, hey, we're going to buy back our shares, and over the next twelve months, often, don't, do often it. don't do it. There's plenty of them. Is yeah, that right? That is right. Yes. How can you get away with that? I don't know. You can. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so happens happens a lot more regularly than you think. Um, look, I guess the risk here is here. We've got WA, Ghana, West Africa, Philippines. So just yeah. in some sort of higher risk sort of provinces there. So, but. Look, it is gold and silver, and and uh, silver's pretty. There's not many sh- um, companies in Australia if you want to get silver. Um, and with with the gold moving here, I just just know a lot of people are talking about silver being the forgotten metal, which it often is. Right. But um, yeah. but yeah, look, it's interesting here. I actually I don't mind it, but I just didn't like the didn't like the you know the balance sheet and stuff there, and looking at the notes and stuff there. It was just sort of hard to sort of uh, get my head around it. Figure it out. Okay. Yeah. All right, Howard, what do you think of Tribune? Yeah, not a company we'd spend more than a couple of seconds glancing at. Its operating cash for the year was 19 million. Its capital expenditure was 35 million. And that's often the case with these mainly exploring exploring type companies. And, you know, if you've got operating cash coming in of 19 million and, uh, uh, you know, free cash from operations, and you're spending 35 million in capital expenditure and you're operating in three or four different parts of the world, uh, which adds to cost enormously, um, far too risky and uh, far too likely to get burnt over time. So uh, uh, definite no from us. Okay. And by the way, the other thing is, you know, the trouble with the gold price having risen so much is it's more likely to drop than rise. But even if it does rise, all that the mines then do is mine high, at lower grade ore, which means they have to mine more tons, which means that means they need more equipment, um, and so on in order to extend the life of the mine. So gold mining companies don't often make that much more money when the gold price is higher. Everybody thinks they will, but they rarely do. They just extend the life of the mine rather than uh, making that much more money for shareholders. But uh, uh, no, from from me, definitely. Okay. I think it drilled like 88 holes this year or something. So, oh, right. so it's been obviously... It's uh, active. Yeah, it's active, yeah. So it's not just sort of sitting on the money and doing nothing with it. It's actually, they are, they are pretty active with the drilling program. So that's... They spend the money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Howard Simon wants a view on Navigator Global Investments. Uh, Simon says it's got a very low PE and a good dividend. I believe there. This is uh, Simon Acquisitive Two. Any value in them? They're of course the listed Australian holding company of an American-based investment group, Lighthouse Investment Partners. It's uh, uh, basically a big hedge fund, isn't it? Yeah, and, and fund managers of the sort usually have very high return on equity because you don't need much equity to run a fund. It's not a capital intensive business like the gold mines we've been talking about. So you would expect a fund manager to have large or high uh, return on equity. They don't. Um, nowhere near the kind of return on equity that, for instance, a Magellan would have um, or even a Platinum or a Perpetual. So the return on equity is pretty low. In fact, most years below 10%, which is pretty appalling. Um, Had a couple of years that it's uh, been really, really low. Um, Earnings aren't really growing. Um, 
In fact, earnings have more or less gone backwards over the, over several years. So uh, uh, not a very positive look from uh, our point of view. But the main thing is return on equity is far too low. If you want to play in the space, uh, rather be in one of the companies with much higher return on equity. So no. Okay. Gary? Yeah, no, Howard's bang on there. So, I mean, the I think the Lighthouse Diversified Fund has averaged just over 2% uh, oh. return over the last five years, which is pretty ordinary. The Lighthouse Global Long Short Fund, which is obviously it's more fund. of a hedge yep. fund there, that's that's done better, just over 6% over the five years, which is not awesome, but considering it's a long short fund, it's not bad because it's obviously been kind of a long only market. So a lot of, right. a lot of long short funds haven't done that particularly well recently, just because the market's sort of, Kind of just kept going one way, <laughs> um, but it might be better in uh, the right times there. But still, those how it's how it's right. I mean, the returns are pretty low compared to most of peers. So, yeah, yeah, on that basis, you wouldn't invest in them. Yeah. Okay, all right. So I know there, but um, thank you for that, Simon. Uh, Jane wants to view Gary on Shryro. There, um, people often sort of refer to Shryro as a, a mini Breville sort of thing, don't they? They're into uh, products, yeah. kitchenware, range hoods, uh, uh, but then you throw in instruments and uh, yeah. watches and barbecues. Uh, share prices taken a little bit of a um, uh, hit in the last week or two. They just uh, announced uh, an update, financial update, revenue up to 11% of rebound from uh, their first half of COVID. Um, but the notes to the financial update were pretty cautious about the future and the impact of lockdowns. Yeah, my chart sort of shows them actually not going too badly here. Right. But, um, but yeah, look, it's, it's a tough one there because you've sort of got you know, a list of sort of 60 different products there. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. No, I must have yeah. got that confused. They're too, because uh, yep. the share price is sort of uh, yeah, pretty close to its high there for, right. for a couple yeah, of yeah. years. So it's been been going right So here. Heston Blumenthal range and Everdure. Barbecues. That's okay, right. Yeah. So I think the Amiga calculators and the yeah. Heston Blumenthal barbecues are probably the two big growth products yeah. at the moment. But yeah. there's a ton of products there. It's just it's a tough one now. I think the revenue line was up 11 percent uh, yeah. for the full year. Um, gross margin was um, yeah it was pretty decent around just under 40, and I think the you know net profit was around about 18 mil. So it's not a bad managed company. The, the PEs. I mean, market cap's only 104 mil. PE sort of sort of six. I think the yields up around that sort of six percent. So, looks looks okay on paper here. It's just it's a hard business because you've so many different products there, but you're really relying on a couple of products sort of heading out of the park. So I yeah. think the the Heston Bloomfield barbecues have done pretty well. Yeah. So I've definitely got a bit of growth there, and that's sort of been the kicker for this year. But are they going to have the kicker for right. next year, or is that barbecue going to hang around? It's sort of yeah, obviously, it's, you know, we're on a sweet spot because we're we're tending to buy a lot more of these um, things at the moment. Are we? Yeah. So look, it's not a bad business, just not. I just think it's a can be potentially a bit cyclical in terms of the products there. So, right. You know, it's just I just find it a little bit too hard. Okay. Yeah. Um, Howard, is it is it up to the quality of Breville? Um, no, definitely not. I mean, it's very much smaller too, uh, but uh, I mean, it only made about uh, 19, uh, 16 million net earnings uh, after tax last year, which is not uh, much of a size company. It's on a very low PE and it's got reasonably decent return on equity. In fact, quite good return on equity. Earnings are hardly growing, though. Their earnings over the last four years have really been growing pretty slowly. This last year compared to the COVID year looks good, but 
Um, you know, if you look at it over a four-year period, it's not very exciting. It hasn't got much debt. So the metrics actually don't look all that bad, particularly the low PE. But they haven't really proven able to grow fairly quickly. Um, and if you're looking for 15 to 20% returns per annum, as our members are in the long term, you don't get that out of a company that's growing its earnings at one or two or three percent a year. Um, you need the company to be growing its earnings in uh, at least double figures and then to be buying it at the time when it's relatively cheap. So this one's relatively cheap, but the earnings aren't growing much. So uh, hard to get excited about it. I own Breville, so I'm probably biased towards Breville rather than this one. And Breville is a little bit more focused. You know, they don't have the watches and the calculators and some of the other funny things that uh, seem to be in this one as well. So, um, yeah. but as Gary said, it doesn't look too bad. So, not all that bad, but a no from me. Okay, all right. I think and it's the I think it's the hundred and four mil market cap is still pretty small. So, right, it just makes it it's a hard. You know, yeah, as how it's saying, it hasn't had a great. It hasn't. You know, it's been around for a few years there, but it hasn't really kicked on. Yeah. So um, and yeah. and Breville have uh, Premier as a major shareholder, so you get uh, you get some pre- pretty good retail expertise yeah. on your on your investor book too with Solomon Liu. Um, all right, Howard uh, Rob wants a view on BWP Trust, a a real estate investment trust, which basically holds all of the Bunning stores, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Which means it's got obviously a very reliable tenant. Um, that's doing extremely well. But the trouble with most of these retail property trusts is because interest rates have become so low, their cap rates have got huge and they look like they're doing so well. But seeing as interest rates are more likely to be much higher in five years' time than they are now, and I don't just mean a little bit higher, but much higher, and it could be a lot sooner than five years from now, um, the problem is that uh, that's going to hurt Uh, all of these companies. So, you know, it's return on equity, like most property trusts, is pretty miserable. Uh, You know, it averages 5 6% a year. Um, And if you're looking for 15 to 20% returns, you can't get that if the return on equity is 5% or 6% a year. The return on equity in the long term is the cap on your returns. So um, you can't get 15% returns out of 5% return on equity. You can maybe make a trading gain, but you can't in the long term do well out of that. So, um, you know, solid, well-run business uh, with a very good tenants, but um, not interesting enough that our members uh, who are looking for 15 to 20% returns would be interested in it. So a no from us. And share price at the moment is not all that cheap. It was in March last year, but so is everything. Right. Yep. Um, what about um, investors looking for, for yield? Howard, is this do, do REITs fill that need? And is this um, one of the better ones no, for that, or are they better? Yeah, you've got to have, you know, if you're looking for yield, you've also got to have the yield growing at least as fast as inflation. Now, we yeah. haven't got much inflation now, but the, the yields on property will tend to shrink if the um, inflation rises. And, you know, it's, it's the old story of if you'd bought CSL 15 years ago and you'd bought, say, Westpac 15 years ago, or Telstra's, even better example, 15 years ago, you'd say, I bought Telstra for the yield. But if you add up the dividends, or better still look at the most recent dividend you'll have got from your CSL shares, you're beating Telstra, even though you bought Telstra for yield and CSL for growth. Yeah. 
because if the earnings grow, the dividend grows. If the earnings shrink, the dividend shrinks. And you, you can't eat percentages. You can't pay your food bills with percentages. Uh, you need real dollars for that. Yep, yep, absolutely. Gary, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with how though. I think I think we're only forecast to grow another 2% next year. So ah. it's hardly sort of great. Right? Look, it's a stable. I think it's one of those sort of stocks there where you, you buy these type of businesses because because they are sort of safe. It's a bit like the SCP, the Woolworths sort of property trust as well. Got these long tenants sort of pretty safe. Yeah. But you got to buy them when they're when they're on the knees a bit, when they're sort of unloved and uh, when there's a high yield as well, because we're only, the yield's about 4.3%, uh, no right. franking at the moment as well. So right. so you really want to be getting a bit, bit juicy. So, so you buy them around that 280 mark well, uh, yeah. when the market pulled back in March last year. Depending on the market there, yeah. If you get maybe down to 5.5-6% yield there right. and it's something relatively safe, that's sort yeah. of, yeah, it's not it's not bad in the portfolio as much. But yeah, you're not going to, as how they say, you're not going to get great growth there. It's probably more of a... Right. That sort of more stable sort of uh, income, you know, yeah. sort of stock there. But in this environment, there you want to be getting a better yield, I think. And how's right? If we see a bit of inflation there, then these things will, will wind back here. So therefore, right. you you might get the four percent on the the yeah. divvy, but you might lose four percent on the stock. So you okay. you end up you know hardly ahead. So you get set in a major correction and just hold on to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's just recap the uh, first five stocks. Um, Stock of the day, Freedom Foods, avoid from both Gary and, and Howard. Uh, Regis Resources, um, a yes from Gary, um, uh, a no from Howard. Both of them do like Northern Star, though. As, would that be your, your pick in gold more than this? or is uh, it, uh, I've already, Gary, is I've already traded out my Northern Star. So, oh, right. Yeah, it's so already had a pretty good move, so I have, okay. yeah. Uh, Tribune Resources are no, Navigator Global no, uh, Shryro the same and BWP the same as well. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NabTrade. Um, all the stocks that get two thumbs up, two yeses from our expert panel go into the portfolio. If that stock comes up again, even if it's in front of a different panel, and don't get two thumbs up, it goes out. Uh, let's check to see how it's performing. Uh, for the week, it's uh, up um, just over 3% for the month, 2% and 33% since the 1st of July last year. Some of the stocks recently added, Abacus Property Group, Universal Stores, Nanosonics, Netwealth, Janus Henderson Group and Smart Group. Uh, some of the stocks recently removed from the portfolio by our expert panel, uh, Omni Bridgeway, Pacific Smiles, Event Hospitality, and E-Road. And uh, now you can check out all the stocks in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, coming up in the next hour of Osbiz, the team are joined by Peter Archistrike, the New South Wales Productivity Commissioner as he releases a white paper revealing the steps the state should take to boost the economy by $16 billion. Uh, that's next right here on Ausbiz in the next hour or so. Um, now, don't forget, tomorrow on the call, we'll be dedicating the show to a special uh, ETF show. Uh, we'll analyse 10 ETFs sent in by you that uh, you want adjudication on. Uh, Andrew Whelan from uh, DP Wealth Advisory and Adam Dawes from Shoreham Partners will be our expert panel. Um, a special 
uh, edition of the call tomorrow midday eastern right here on Ausbiz as we took a, take a look at ETFs. All right, let's uh, get into our next five stocks. And um, interestingly, uh, Gary, the ASX uh, has come up with uh, Jeremy, which is um, the, the company that runs the listed stocks here in Australia. Got a passing mention yesterday um, as we looked at computer share and uh, Nathan Somersandaran from Deep Data Analytics preferred ASX said a no to computer share and in fact sell both Francesco Destratus and uh, Nathan both said sell, sell your computer shares yeah, and Nathan like reckons get into ASX. Yeah, I sort of agree with that. Actually, I, I did actually buy some uh, under $69 here for um, you know, model portfolio and clients there. So I, I do like it here. It has right. run a bit now. So we're up about yeah. 11, 12% from, yeah. that, from that entry. So I think it's oh, getting- that's all right. You bought around that March, end of February, March. Yeah, it's just hit a long-term support line there. If you draw the trend line across the lows for the last, uh, you know, probably four or five years, right. just come down and tag that level beautifully. Yeah. Um, and look, it's always Gee, trades. Look at, look at that. You could see that on the graph. There, yeah. The support level yeah. and bounce back. Yep. Yeah, that's no, just sort of perfect there. So look, it is always trades at a premium. Yeah. So always trades at a sort of a, on a reasonable um, PE. So, but it has gone back up to around 30 times. So right. that's sort of, it's getting up there now. So yeah, I've sort of just taken profits here around a sort of 76.50 mark there, just because I right. think it's getting a little okay. high. But look, I, Definitely a stock of a pullback again. I would definitely go back in. It's definitely right. a great, great company. Too high at the moment. Just yeah, just um, a little bit here. Nathan's uh, rationale was now that Cbo bought Chiax, um, that ASX would be in play for a, a global. It's been in play for a long from, time. From yeah. Got knocked back when Singapore had yep. stock exchange had a go, but yeah. His rationale was that Chiax is a lot stronger competitor now, so it may not uh, sort of yeah. hit the regulatory rules. I just can't see, uh, can't see it. You know, the ASX getting getting put in foreign hands. I just can't right. see that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Howard, what do you think of the ASX? Yeah, um, a really, really solid company. I mean, it's about as solid as having money in the bank. And uh, I've owned ASX shares for probably about fifteen years, and. Every now and then when its P ratio has got down below 15, I've bought some more. Um, I noticed that most years, it, uh, if I look through the history of the last 10 years, the P has been below 25 at some point every year for the last 10 years. Right. And it's been below 20 in seven of the 10 years at some point in the year. So that's the time to be buying it. At the moment when the P ratio is 29, it isn't because its earnings have been growing at about 5% a year, and that's been pretty consistent. In fact, it's got a, uh, I'm just having a look here at its stability of earnings growth, 99.6% stability of earnings growth, which is uh, one of only maybe a half a dozen companies on the entire ASX that's got a stability of, of more than 90%, uh, 95%, I mean, and it's 99.6. So absolutely spectacularly, um, stable growth rate, but you want to be buying it when it's cheaper than it is now. So love the company, don't love the price. I still own mine. I have no intention of selling them, and I'll probably buy some more one day when the PE ratio gets down a hell of a lot cheaper than that, than it is today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
sort of reinforces uh, what Gary was saying. You pick your moment to buy it. Yeah, you're probably yeah. looking around $69, $70 here. Maybe maybe even just above $70 would probably be um, a good entry if we come back right. there. Okay. All right, um, Howard, Glenn wants a view on Appen, the uh, artificial intelligence group, or, or they they collect data for AI, Correct. don't they, and, and sell it to big commute, computer companies and um, sort of... Uh, uh, it's actually quite capital intent or labour intensive, isn't it? They sort of code in pictures to, uh, yeah, to AI. Yeah, they've got over a, million, over a million people working for them around the world, uh, annotating uh, pictures and, and data and so on. And uh, it's and certainly labour intensive if it's a medium that's team for sure. working around the and world. That's for it? sure. Uh, yeah, uh, the people, I'm sure, only paid for the work they do, so I don't think they're on salary. But um, the they have very, very sophisticated systems for managing the work done by these million-odd people. Um, and they're really providing uh, large data sets to the big computer companies for AI. Now, um, it had been growing very, very rapidly until about two years ago. Earnings per share were growing really fast. And it ran up to absurd PE ratios. You know, it got to PE ratios of over 100. Um, it's now come back down to a bit more reality on a PE of about 35. Um, and uh, earnings, in fact, the last couple of years haven't really grown much. And that's what's cut back the uh, excitement about the share price. Now, I listened in on the uh, uh, call they had uh, to the market a few days back, um, quite a detailed presentation that they did in uh, with their AGM. And... Um, Effectively, what's been happening is a lot of the big companies have been putting off projects. So um, that income will hopefully come in uh, in the next year that didn't come in in the previous year. So we may see some growth again. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it's now at least at a more logical sort of PE. So if you do believe it's going to continue being a high growth company, now's probably not a bad time to buy it which certainly wasn't when it was on a share price of 40 and a PE of 113. Um, I added some a little while ago at a share price of 12 something. It's now 13 something, um, 1340 I think it is. And I paid I think 1260. Uh, I wasn't super excited about it. I only added a small amount, but I thought, well, Let's see how it goes and what the AGM sounds like. The AGM was a bit more positive than I expected. So uh, it could improve from here. So uh, let's call it a weak yes from me. Okay. All right. Gary? Yeah, look, I do think it's worth a look here because, I mean, how is I think actually, I think Howard and I might have covered this uh, previously and maybe going back what, three or six months ago when right. it was probably on a PE of around 70, 80 times. We probably yep. both thought it was very expensive at the time. Yeah. Yep. But it has come, come away back here. So back into the 30s there, the, the issue is the, um, so the major tech um, clients basically contribute 80% of their revenues. Right. So, and, and they're the ones at the moment who have delayed a lot of the projects, sort yeah. of with the, obviously with the pandemic on. So that's the real concern there. So are they gonna you know, come back and commit to what, what they were doing previously? Or, yeah. have, or have they started to bring some of this in-house and doing some of it yeah. themselves? That's the risk here at the moment. I just find it really funny that this is a AI is meant to be so super duper, but then you to make AI work, you have a million people you do. Yeah. sort of coding in 
sort of pictures so mm. that AI recognises it. Mm. And I would have thought, wouldn't AI be, <laughs> AI be <laughs> able to do that? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, I'm not sure we're there yet. I find it weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah but I'm not sure we're at that point yet. I think. No. Yeah, yeah. But I guess that's the question mark with the you know. So if uh, the big tech giants uh, well and truly have just held it back, and then then they're going to commit again and not do right. it themselves, then this company will be fine. It's a great buy here. Yeah. But if if um, if there's any signs that uh, these uh, big tech giants, uh, the you know the Google's, Apple's, they're starting doing to start doing them themselves. Then, right. then this company's got a few problems. So, right. I think the latter is are probably not going to farm it out because obviously we're talking about how many, how many yeah. people. And so it's a fair fair job to do. Yeah. Probably better out, outsource it. Maybe you squeeze them on price a bit more. Right. Um, but yeah, so I'm sort of with how there. I think this is more likely a buy here than mm. than, than a, a hold or sell. I think there's probably an opportunity there. Just. Might might be a little bit more um, hanging around here, so so to speak. So might, but I think it's um, yeah, it could well be a buy here. Okay, know? all right. Yeah. A bit high risk, but I think is uh, more yeah. than likely. Yeah. But um, it would be so. What Howard was indicating, you buy a bid and yeah. just wait and see how yeah. it goes. That's, you don't go in boots and all. No, that's right. I'm I'm with that 100. percent Yeah, right. I think it's definitely a, a small starting parcel there, and um, yeah, right. just my, my only fear is I still think the Nasdaq. Is overvalued. I think this squeeze that we've had here is going to get worse, yeah. and inflation will have an effect on these stocks. So it's just from a timing point of view, the cycle is probably not a great time. But we've already had a seventy percent drop in the share Massive. price, yeah, and and that's on some some real fears. So potentially, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, you know, I love the eighty fifty rule. So fifty percent of these sort of tech stocks will fall eighty percent, yeah, and yeah. Uh, in fifty, you know, eighty percent will. At least fall fifty percent. So we're already past the first hurdle, yeah, 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 almost yeah. at the second one. So we're almost there. Okay. So uh, so I think it's probably worth a little buy here. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Gary, Rachel wants a view on Polynovo. This is um, a, a medical medtech company. They've uh, um, in in polymers at skin. Um, repairers. Yeah. So they, Novo uh, Sorbers, no, the uh, Novo Sorbers, yeah. their, their product that they. Sell around the world. Yeah, so basically for um, for any surgical any surgeries or any burns and stuff, yeah. there sort of treats that. So look, you know, really interesting product. Yeah. Um, going out there, getting lots of patents across the world. Um, the big issue at the moment is that the market cap's one point seven billion, and the revenue line was twelve point eight billion or twelve point eight million recently. So tiny. Hang on, sales are twelve million. So revenue twelve point eight. Right, million, the last the last four years, so pretty small. Yeah, market cap one point seven billion. Billion with yeah. a B, wow. so big. But th- this is all about what's the prospect of what, what this uh you know this um Novosorb can be. Yeah, so it can be you know potentially used in every surgical operation, uh, any major burn. Right, in the treatment there, and so the patents are sort of getting out there. The problem they've had is that with um with COVID, it's delayed. A lot of the sales there, so I think we're only we're only looking at like maybe like one of their key products is only going to do about two or three million in the next half. Right. So okay. they're just not getting the at this stage. They would have thought they would have got an uptick in the revenue line, yeah, because everyone would be using it. And all the patents are out there, so they look like they're doing all the right things. Just COVID's not helping them, yeah. Um, but it does have a massive, a massive market gap. So it's already pricing in a lot of growth already. So it's yeah. really going to have to execute here and. The delay is just sort of, um, yeah, just everyone's wound back the share price. 
the broke most of broker valves are sort of pretty close to where we're at just because right. because of these delays but yeah i think it's one of those if, this, if the share price came back a bit further and then the company started to sort of get a bit more traction and revenue line there definitely one to sort of watch later on but just hard to get excited with that market cap okay all right uh howard what do you think of polynovo Look, I, I love it when some Australian company comes up with some amazing medical advance that could help people um, who have operations or burns or whatever. It's just wonderful. I mean, it's amazing how innovative they can be. The trouble is this isn't a business. Uh, it's a wonderful story with a marvellous product that I hope it succeeds, but it's never made a profit. It's never ever in its history made a profit. And I've been asked questions about this company for, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. It may even be longer than that. And it was always going to next year start making some money. Um, I think what management has proven is that they're wonderful inventors and wonderful at uh, filling in patent applications, but really haven't shown any ability to run a business successfully and profitably. And unless somebody else buys it and turns it into a successful business, that will probably continue. The trouble is, as Gary says, it's got a market cap of one point something billion, uh, 1.6 billion on about 12 million in sales. Um, that's clearly absurd, so nobody's going to buy it either. So wonderful story, not a business, and therefore not anything that, from an investor point of view, you would want to do, except if you're wanting to charitably contribute to the advance of medical science. Okay. These biotechs, they have a bit of a life cycle too. They sort of, yeah. when they sort of come on, everyone gets excited by them and the products and then they see the, the applicable market and then they get bit up, bit up, you're excited. And then, then all of a sudden everyone, you know. They've got to deliver. Well, it takes a lot, <laughs> you know, people don't, we've seen with biotechs is uh, how to about six, seven years. It's about right. So sometimes yeah. it can take eight to 10 years for these uh, biotechs to actually start yeah. delivering revenue lines. So yeah. they, you know, they always take a lot longer than you think and you get excited, you know, everyone gets excited early. So they, it's like Mesoblast as well. Mesoblast, you know, that stem still, everyone got excited about that. Had a oh, had a massive market cap, might have been around eight billion or something, you know, it was yeah. huge. Then it's like, hold on, it's still, still going to take years before we get revenue yeah. lines. Yeah. And then the share price goes through that withdrawal. Then you sort of, maybe years later, you start to get some revenues. Then we start to kick again. Yeah. And But and, it's definitely going through and, these and, cycles, these sort of things. Yeah. And revenue doesn't come in just because a product is good. Revenue comes in because the company is very good at marketing. And then profits come in because the company is very good at making sure that it, its expenses are less than its income. So there's a vast difference between having a great product and having a successful business yeah. or coming up with a wonderful invention that there's great need for around the world and actually turning it into profits. And as investors, we share in the profits of the company. We don't share in the story of the company. That doesn't pay our bills yeah. and that doesn't provide us dividends. Um, we need the company to be profitable and look how much this company would actually have to sell to justify its current market cap. It would have to sell easily a thousand times the amount that it's currently selling. And so far, it hasn't yet demonstrated that it's capable of running a small business, let alone yeah. a big business. Yep, exactly. And uh, with all of these, it's time you run. Let, let the shareholders look lose money to start with yeah. and when it starts yeah. to take off, that's when to uh, to get into it, when, when they've got a proper product. Um, Howard, Joe wants a view on Aventus Group, uh, the uh, the retail property group. They own uh, big, large format 
um, shopping centres, don't they? Like like your super centres and your big home centres, rather than than your shopping mall. Yes, and uh, and and those um, possibly are are better geared for. Um, the move towards online shopping than some shopping centres because a lot of them are big box retailers and yep. the kind of things one doesn't think would be sold online. However, as Nick Scarley showed during the pandemic, um, when uh, 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 Antonio Scalia had in fact even said to us that he didn't think they could sell much online, people needed to come and sit on the furniture to buy it, much to their own a joy and excitement they found during the pandemic that they did sell furniture online. So if um, as much moves to online as it looks as like uh, is starting to do and people become more and more and more comfortable buying online, all these retail property funds are going to struggle. One of the things they say in their favour is that they're quite uh, well protected against the downside because their rentals aren't turnover based. But that's kidding yourself because the moment the lease expires, if the tenant isn't doing enough turnover, they won't renew the lease and they'll move out. So you'll just have an empty shop. So um, uh, it's low return on equity, like property trusts invariably have. I mean, best year it's had a 7% return on equity. All the others have been lower than that. And you can't get a 15 to 20% return in the long term with 7% return on equity. So uh, a no from me. Yeah, Gary? Yeah, I mean, the PE is around 18, 19 at the moment, which is pretty high. Um, I mean, it has had an upgrade, I think, there with the numbers, which is obviously positive. But if we look down the track here, uh, growth is going to be you know, around that 1% or 2% yep. earnings per share next year. So not really not forecasting a lot of growth. Uh, I noticed there's sort of six buys, two holes, two sells there in the broken world. So, But I just couldn't buy it on this multiple here. I saw most of broker vales are sort of sitting at $283 there. So... Um, you know, we're pretty close to that. So mm. I'd, maybe maybe these buyers are all, you know, right. a bit late here, but I just yeah, I just feel like it's sort of probably fully priced here. So sure. I think there's some risk to the downside personally. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Joe. Our final stock comes from Brad. Uh, he wants to view um, Gary on Osnet Services. They own um, basically wires and poles in Victoria, don't they? Electricity wires and poles. But... Uh, uh, they do have a network business where they retail uh, energy and infrastructure products as well. Yeah, so pretty much operates the Victorian electricity yeah. um, network. network. So I think there's electricity, gas and solar now. Yep. Um, so I think the earnings per shares we're, we're down about 16% this year. I think they're forecast to... Um, to be slightly under again next year. Right. So, so it's an infrastructure fund. It is, yeah, that's well. right. So just... Yeah, look, I think most of broker vales are sort of sitting around 180 to 195, so maybe just slightly higher from here, not too much higher. Yeah. Um, but future earnings, uh, I mean, the revenue line was down 2.7%. I think net profit was, was up slightly. But, yeah, there's just no growth here, so it's just going to be... I mean, the only decent thing about it is the yield at 5.42% or something. So, yeah. um, you know, if, if the earnings are slightly off next year, maybe we're slightly lower than that that's probably the only positive i can sort of say there at the moment i'm just not sure it sort of goes anywhere i don't think the price is going yeah, to move the price, too much and the price really hasn't gone yeah too much has yeah, it, in the last couple yeah. of years safe i mean i how i might say is maybe maybe it's got some safety in its earnings like asx probably not the 97 98 percent but um yeah but it's yeah it's not not too but not too sexy mm. either yeah okay howard 
No, and in fact, I, I don't even think it's got any safety in its earnings because if you look at it, New South Wales, um, Bob Carr uh, in a Labor government wanted to sell the poles and wires for, if I remember correctly, it was 33 or 34 billion, and they had offers to buy it. And in the end, the deal got canned. Um, there was too much worry about some people losing their jobs, and uh, it, it wasn't done. Years later, we managed to sell our poles and wires here in New South Wales, I think if I remember correctly, for 19 billion, so a lot less than 33 or 34. Mm -hmm. And the buyers, I'm sure, would love to give the poles and wires back now and get their 19 billion dollars <laughs> back. Because if they're worth half of that, if they're worth 10 billion, it's a lot. Yeah. Now, poles and wires are going down in value with each passing year. So this is a business that owns something that the assets are shrinking in value at a rapid rate, and it's only going to accelerate uh, in the next years as more and more uh, alternative forms of energy or, or uh, more supposedly more environmentally friendly forms of energy uh, get used. So um, it's hard to get enthused about this yeah. in any form or fashion. And um, unfortunately for you taxpayers, David, uh, or, or others, sorry, in, in Melbourne, uh, any of them out there, um, they would have been far better off selling their poles and wires many years ago. Uh, but I suppose in a way they sort of... Let, let me Aussie. pose this though. Is, is this a very big lesson to learn? Because there's all this talk about the government uh, selling off NBN and packaging it up and getting rid of it. Um, well, there'll be some suckers, I'm sure, who'll pay for it, probably with other people's money. In other words, fund managers and yeah. so on will buy the NBN because, after all, it's other people's money, not their own. But no intelligent investor investing their own money would buy uh, the NBN for exactly the same reason because yeah. that NBN is going to get worth less and less and less as 5G and eventually 6G and so on. Um, make it totally unnecessary. I don't know any young people who have a landline or, or use uh, the NBN. Now, my generation, we're all using still landlines and NBNs as well as our mobile phones. Yeah. But, um, uh, you know, my my grandchildren certainly think it's laughable that their granddad's that foolish. <laughs> yeah, do you reckon it's... Because uh, uh, there's all sorts of talk that you yeah, I th I'm with Howdy. I think the technology moves so fast that, uh, yeah. yeah, if you're able to, uh, you know, get a good value for these things, yeah, I think you'd be taking it personally. But yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if they're that smart. No. All yeah. right. Okay, let's recap the uh, final five stocks. ASX, great company, really secure earnings. Um, price and value a bit too high for Howard and Gary at the moment. Always wait for a pullback, which it generally does each year. Appen, a uh, speculative buy from uh, from both Howard and Gary, Polynovo, no, same with Ascent, um, Aventus and Oznet as well. Howard Colbert from Team Invest, always great to catch up. Thank you, mate, for joining us today. A pleasure as always. And Gary Glover, same Thank as you. well, Novus Capital. Um, get back to your super coach. And uh, using your data there, I've got to pick his brains after on it. Uh, that's it for our show for today. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to uh, cover, email them in the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. A reminder, all the stocks in the call's fantasy portfolio, uh, go to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And if you want a, a wrap up of the day in markets, business, finance, Subscribe to the uh, to the daily newsletter. You get Scuddy's view 
a link to the Close of Business podcast and also links to the uh, po- most popular interviews and segments on the platform during the day. Subscribe, ausbiz.co forward slash the COB. Startup Daily Show coming up at 2 p.m. Uh, the team amongst uh, a whole bunch of other uh, founders and venture capitalists will be joined by Trevor Townsend, the chief executive of Startup Bootcamp, as the group launched a hydrogen tech platform. So uh, Trevor coming up 2 p.m. Eastern this afternoon on the Startup Daily Show. That's it for us. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the afternoon on AusBiz. We'll be back with more in a moment. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 